0: excited for all that God has in store for us at TWBC and we are excited that you're here this morning. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter number 10 this morning. The title of this morning's message is G. Recon which stands for Generosity Recon and as we're jumping into this morning's message normally if I'm short on time I try to fly through things but today I'm going to back it down and just say God do what only you can do. Is is that okay? Okay. Because I believe when God did what he did this morning to prep something, he's also doing something else in the time of the message. So I'm not going to try and rush through what God wants to do, and I'm just going to trust that God's going to speak to every one of you individually in a way that only he can. And so as you're turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 10, verse number 25, remember today is Big Tip Group Life Sunday right after church. Go out with some friends, eat lunch, and tip your waiter or waitress crazy big and show them the love of jesus by being generous to them because the theme of this whole series is greed greedorosity and we're wondering what does it look like when we break the spirit of greed off this north texas region and we're doing it by different ways i hope you had five dollars to give this past week give a big tip today and also be a part of be the service next sunday buy your tickets today and next sunday so we can change the landscape of this northeast texas region and so the account that we're going to read today in Luke chapter number 10 verse number 25 it's a real real common passage of scripture and it's the parable of the good samaritan and when i say the good samaritan here's what i need you to do don't shut your mind off because you've heard it since you've been in vacation bible school some of you 2 years ago some of you 22 years ago and some of you way above and beyond and we're glad that you're still here listening to this parable of the good samaritan but i want to read this to you and Believe that God is going to show us something amazing this morning out of this passage of scripture. And so it says this And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? And this is a peculiar phrase. He didn't say, Have you read it? He says, How have you read it? You know, you can read the Bible one way and I can read the Bible another way, and one of us can read it with the Spirit of God, and somebody else can read it without the Spirit of God, and we'll get two completely different translations and interpretations of what God is trying to speak to us about. And so Jesus asked him a particular question. Knowing the Spirit that was on on the inside of him, he said, how do you read it? Because the lenses through which he was reading it with gave him a skewed perspective of how to apply it. And so this is why with your hurts, your insecurities, the things you've gone through in your life, it's so important to get freedom. Because you can't do this Christian walk alone. And when you start to get freedom, you'll start reading the Scriptures with the eyes of Jesus, with the heart of God, rather than with the eyes of your hurts, with the eyes of your pains, with the eyes of your struggles, with the eyes of your current situation. You'll begin to read them with the eyes of faith. Come on, somebody. You'll be able to read them with eyes that see vision for the future of your life. And what God has in store for you. Because this man was asking a question about the future of his life. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what does it say in the scriptures? And how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself. Have you ever gone to God in prayer desiring to justify yourself rather than to ask for forgiveness for what you did? But God, they were mean to me first. I sound like my kids fighting. He started it, right? Have we ever gone to God wanting to justify ourselves rather than ask for forgiveness for what we did? Have we ever gone to God trying to justify a reason not to do what he's asking us to do rather than just simply submitting and surrendering to what he's calling us to do? Because when we surrender to what he's called us to do, it'll get us from the middle to the place of where he's called us to be. But the great thing is he's still with us in the middle. He still stood right next to this lawyer to answer his questions. And he said, but desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? For Big Tip Sunday is, who is my waiter or my waitress? And Jesus replied, a young man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite and when he came to the place and saw him he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and he went to him, and bound up his wounds, and pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The term reconnaissance, when I titled this message, G, reconnaissance, generosity, reconnaissance. Reconnaissance is this. It's a mission to obtain information by visual observation and detection methods. So when we send somebody in our military on a reconnaissance mission, it's going to gather a bunch of information to bring back so we can make an educated decision about the situation that we're going on. And I'm asking you in your life, on your daily journey, how are you responding to the information and the observations that God is showing you on your journey? The priest and the Levite and the Samaritan, all three had the same observations, but they interpreted the information differently. One man saw him pass by on the other side of the road. Another man saw him pass by on the other side of the road. Their information was the same, but their observation and what they were supposed to do, they interpreted it differently. A Samaritan saw him on the road and took care of him, bound up his wounds, brought him, took care of his hospital fees and everything else. So my question to you this morning is, when does in your life opportunity become obligation? Too many times in our life, God brings us information through observation, which is an opportunity, but because we've been born again so long, we look at it as obligation, not opportunity. The priest and the Levite were going down to Jericho, as well as the man when he got beat up. If you're going down from Jericho, it means you're leaving, or going down from Jerusalem, it means you're leaving the Temple Mount. The priest and the Levite had just left church and saw a man half dead on the side of the road but because opportunity in their life had become obligation for their life they passed by because they had better place to be to do the ritual sacrifices of where they were going. We sacrifice one thing of what we should be observing and doing something about for the sake of doing another thing that in the end will not translate to much and so with this you have a priest and this is one who offers sacrifices you have a Levite one who did all the sacred duties of the temple and you have a Samaritan a Samaritan is a mixed race of people who had intermarried with the Assyrians centuries before and they were hated by the Jews because of cultural mixing in fact the Jews when they would leave Jerusalem to go to another city they would go a day and a half journey around to get to the other city so they didn't have to go through Samaria Samaria they didn't like the Samaritans. And so when Jesus brought up the most detestable person in their culture and puts them doing what is right in the will of God versus the priest and the Levite, the lawyer who was there, I'm sure he was angry as well as everybody else who was listening. How dare you say somebody like this would be doing something like that and we are wrong and he's right. And so what are the things that used to excite you that you now think are beneath you? In church, what are the things that used to excite you that you now think are beneath you? I'm sure when the priest and the Levite first got their first temple opportunity, they were so excited about all the opportunities, but what are the things that used to excite you that you now think are beneath you because it's obligation and not opportunity? If I ever look at preaching as an obligation and not an opportunity, it's going to steal my strength and sabotage my sight for what God is calling the church to do. See, obligation does a scary thing. Obligation is a scary weight. When you're doing it because you have to, it's going to do two things to your life. It's going to steal your strength and it's going to sabotage your sight and what you see as observation, somebody you're supposed to help, you're not going to help because you got to hurry up and check somebody else's kids in not realizing the single mom walking in with the three kids is the one you're supposed to be helping. Come on, somebody. Heard this statement the other day as we were going to three services, and we were needing help in the children's department and still do for three services. So if you want to help, jump out there and do it. That'd be awesome. Get with uh, any of the children's directors that we have. That'd be great. But somebody asked a person, and they said, would you help out with kids? And the answer was this no i've already did my time i've already did my time when has obligation set in over opportunity of seeing the next billy graham come to christ when obligation sets in over opportunity it does two things it will steal your strength and sabotage your sight We don't see what we're supposed to see. We're not gathering what we're supposed to gather because our perspective of it is skewed. And so when obligation steals our observation in life, our only limitation is our observation. I can't go do what I'm not seeing God showing me to do. And if all of I think of is churches as an obligation, I'll miss my observation. It's limiting my vision to where he's calling me to go to. Uh, the the term vision in church is a commonly used term what's the vision for your life what's the vision of God for the church what's the vision of this what's the vision of that what's the vision of this over here what's the vision for your kids at TWBC we throw out vision a lot but very seldom do we really want to see right we, we throw out the term vision a lot, but very seldom do we really want to see. And so obligation, it steals our observation, our ability to see. And in life, our, our, our only limitation is our observation. The farther I can see with the eyes of faith, not the eyes of physical, with the eyes of faith of where God is calling me to, the less obligation it'll feel like I'm operating under. And so op- observation, literally, it becomes this. Observation becomes your invitation and I want to ask you when is the last time you opened up your eyes and looked when is the last time you opened up your eyes and looked as we have big tip group life Sunday today I want you to watch your waiter or your waitress watch how fast they're running around and scrambling and trying to serve here and serve there and get your food cooked and their food cooked and, and, this. and your observation of them is your invitation to help them when you leave your table today don't just leave a big tip with a messy table why don't you stack the dishes up for them? If you are like us and me and my wife when our kids were little, when we went to Juan Pablo's, they loved the rice and so did the floor. Right? But we would never leave the table without getting under the table and sweeping up the rice under the table because it was our observation... That our kids had made the mess, so it was our invitation with that observation to bless the waiter or waitress to not have to clean up the mess that my kids made. Amen, hallelujah, some of y'all are mad. (laughs) It's okay. Your observation is always your invitation. So if God is opening your eyes to something, he wants you to do something about it. Some of you, you'll be driving down the road and see somebody with a flat tire and be like, huh, wow, I should maybe stop and help. Ah, we're good. Your observation was your invitation. If you didn't see it, you're not accountable to it. But when you see it and know that God is speaking to you about it, the observation, what was highlighted to you of as an opportunity, your observation is now your invitation. What do you see every day in your life with your observation that literally is your invitation? It's just you've never seen it with the eyes of faith. The labels that we put on ourselves and that are put on us by others, they can either be a foundation to build on or they can be a prison that contains you. The labels we put on ourselves and the labels other people put on us, they can either be a foundation to build on or they can be a prison that contains us. And my statement for you is this with that. Stop waiting on good stuff to happen to you and identify or observe what's already on the inside of you see your observation even about yourself is your invitation to become someone else and, and I don't want you to become me I don't want to become like Alex I want to become like Christ so my observation about me is my invitation to me to become somebody a lot better than me when I'll observe myself not being a good husband it's my invitation to change my actions come on all you ladies give me a hand clap and pray, right Ladies, come on, help me out here. When I'll observe something about me, it's an invitation to me to change me into who he's called me to be and not remain the same as I was. And so stop waiting on good stuff to happen to you. Some of you sit here every Sunday, oh, it's the story in the Bible. You're sitting there waiting for someone to stir the water so when you get in you can get your miracle why don't you start stirring up your own faith if you're dry and stuck in the middle don't wait for God to have to rearrange a whole worship service to get you out of the middle, walk in and say, I'm fixing to stir the waters in my life. And when they start singing opening song, I'm going to go up to the altar and I'm going to begin to pray and I'm going to begin to see myself differently because my mediocrity is my observation that now is my invitation to step into my destiny of who God's called me to be. And when you realize you're not happy with something about yourself, don't wait for somebody else to change it for you. Nobody else is going to change it for you. Everybody else has their own problems. We don't need you coming and dumping on us with your problems. Hallelujah. Fix it. You're a grown man and a grown woman. We already dismissed the kids if you're in the house. Don't wait on good stuff to happen to you. You got an issue, go get help. Suck it up. Don't wait for somebody to knock on your door and say, Oh, I just noticed. Right? Go. Don't wait on good stuff to happen to you. You know exactly what you need. And you got a good, good father who's already prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies according to Psalm 23 that he's got it prepared. He's just waiting for you to go to him. And the greatest thing about Psalm 23 is there's a table prepared before you in the presence of all the people who hate you but goodness and mercy is following you so it keeps those people from getting to your table. Come on, I can preach on Psalm 23. And so your observation becomes your invitation. But you've got to realize what's important versus what is important in the moment. What's important versus what is important in the moment. And what do I mean by that? the priest and the Levite were going to do wasn't important. It just wasn't important in that moment. The priest and the Levite, they were going to do the work of God. And that was important. It just wasn't as important as a man dying on the street in the moment. And in your life, where, are you, where you're going to eat lunch in the next 30 minutes is important. It's what we have built this whole Sunday on, Big Tip Group Life Sunday. Where you're going to eat lunch in the next 30 minutes is important. It is, it's amazingly important. But listen, if we're not careful, we will prioritize what sustains life over the God who's actually trying to give life. Now, everybody look at me. The worship team can make it up there by themselves just fine. You're good. Don't miss this point because this is where it all comes together. What is important versus what is important in the moment. What is important is where you're going to eat in the next 30 minutes. And I want you to tip really, really big. But don't miss what is important in the moment. Because some of you are prioritizing where you're about to go to eat and get food that sustains life over the moment of where God is wanting to actually give you life because He is the source of life. So why don't you go to the source of life first and then go enjoy what sustains life? (laughs) Get quesadillas, extra chicken, come on. Here's the deal. So many of us sacrifice what's important because we don't realize what's important in the moment. We miss what's important in the moment. In this moment, there's something vitally important. I don't want you to miss lunch. But more than me not wanting you to miss lunch, I don't want you to miss God. And some of you are going to miss God this morning because you're concerned about lunch. Don't miss the source of life for a simple food that can only sustain physical life. And if I were to close this message with this. If I were to ask you the question, who are you in the story? Are you the priest? Are you the Levite? Or are you the good Samaritan? I would ask you the question, which one are you? But I'm going to tell you the answer, so don't even think about it. The answer is you're none of the three. The answer is all of us are the person who was beat up and left half dead on the side of the road. All of us have gone through something in this life that is traumatic, catastrophic, that has broken our hearts, that has shattered our life at a point, and we're still trying to pick up the pieces. We look like we're alive on the outside, but we're half dead and dying on the inside, hemorrhaging from the trauma that whatever it was yesterday or 20 years ago, but there's still a God who knows not just what's important, but what's absolutely important in this moment is you and he wants to take you and he knows every hurt and even how it happened and the reason he can do what he can do and the reason Jesus could say what he could say about the good Samaritan in such a descriptive fashion is because Jesus Christ knew what he came to do the Bible says he came to heal the brokenhearted. he came to set the captives free he came to open the eyes of the blind and the open the ears of the deaf he came to declare that today is your day of freedom and liberty from the tragedy that's been holding you and we're going to do altar call completely different today so just play me some soft music in the background and we don't have to sing anything just play me something and i want everybody to stand real quick because we got four minutes And I need you to get in groups of three, four, and five people. Begin to move. Get in groups of three, four, and five people. If you're in the balcony, get in groups of three, four, and five people. If you're an altar worker around the outside, go jump in a group of three, four, and five people. No more than five, no less than three. If somebody's alone, break apart from your group and go get with them. Three, four, and five people. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do like the good huddle. Like just, just huddle up. Huddle up. And here's why. Now everybody listen to me. Here we go. I'm fixing to pray a prayer over you. And then you're going to have a few minutes to pray over yourself. And when we say amen in a minute, we're going to break out into a song. Because I believe that the spirit of joy is wanting to break out in this house. But it can't break out until we overcome The spirit of sorrow and tragedy that you've gone through. The Bible says this. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And some of you are so fixated on your sorrow, you don't even realize the sun's already risen. It's morning. Joy is here. And so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in the book of Acts, they laid their hands on one another and they received the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray in a minute. As you guys are laying your hands on one another, y'all are doing the ministry. (laughs) Do you realize this right now? Welcome to ministry. And as I pray for you, I'm believing that a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit floods your life. And some of you are saying, Well, Pastor, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. I don't care. That's 20 years ago. I need a fresh infilling of God Almighty every single day of my life. And I don't succeed if unless God shows up. And so Jesus, right now, as we lay our hands on one another, as we do the work of the gospel, I pray and declare this. Lord Jesus, as your word promised and through, through, through John the Baptist, that Jesus would come. And you said in your word, God, that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire so God I pray for your Holy Spirit and your fire to come on the church right now in the name of Jesus give us strength for the moment give us power for the hour give us anointing for the day Lord we declare right now by the almighty name of Jesus Christ the name that's above every name at that name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at that name all men must be saved the name of Jesus Lord fill us with your power fill us with your strength fill us with your fire And as we're laying our hands on one another the Bible simply says this lay your hands on one another and they will be healed. So right now as your hands are laid on one another I'm declaring that whatever emotional trauma you've gone through whatever addiction issues you've had whatever lifestyle things you're going through whatever problems that you're facing I'm believing that you have a new observation and it's an invitation for a healing moment in your life whatever it is That you need to be healed from. I want you to bring it before the Father right now. Just thinking in your mind. And on the count of three, I want you to say, Daddy, take it. Daddy, take it on the count of three. One, two, three. Daddy, take it.